everybody and welcome to 140th episode of TechCraft. This is your weekly dive into the world of tech and we're recording the show on Sunday, 7th of August 2016 and I'm joined in the studio by Rishi. Hey Rishi. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? All good. Um, it's been uh, very warm yesterday as we discussed and so it's a bit cooler which is nice. Yeah, it, it's been unexpected. It's been very unexpected yesterday, at least according to, to my weather app, which told me it's just going to be an average day. So I dressed like it was an average day, and then by the midday, it was so hot. It was it was pretty cool, though, I do have to say. What I realized also is I think people in Ireland are starting to get sick of barbecues because whenever it's hot in Ireland, like it's the first thing that people do. They just do barbecues. and. And it's like, I can understand why, because it's so rarely hot here that it's like nice to, to be outside and enjoy the weather once in a while. But it's actually been quite a few very hot weekends. And I think people are like, okay, we've had enough barbecues. <laughs> Let's do something else. Um, so yeah, uh, cool. Anything Anything else you, you've been telling me about some, some of your uh, bill pay? Ah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm just in going through this phase where um, I am, um, my, let's say, iPhone two-year contract is coming to an end in October, and and uh, essentially after I'm done, I'm going to just disconnect my bill pay and get out of the contract. I don't want to upgrade, I don't want to change anything, but I just don't want to keep paying 50 euros a month for these guys, and so I'm looking forward to just disconnecting and going back to pay as you go, which is obviously an option here in Europe. Yeah, and um, that is interesting. And I think in the States, they're, they're seeing the same trend. Like up until a while ago, pay-as-you-go was like something you'd get for your toddler kid almost, you know, like nobody was on it. Everyone was on bill pay. Whether now they're starting to promote very heavily the, the whole pay-as-you-go thing, especially like T-Mobile and, and those kind of guys. Uh, I'm, I'm very much against bill pay myself. I am... I mean, I am on bill pay, but I'm on a SIM only bill pay, which is only a month long contract, which is like almost no contract at all. But uh, I don't think you're alone, Rich. I think pretty much everybody comes to that conclusion after like, because you pretty much don't use your phone. You don't use your carrier's phone and SMS functionality. The only thing you need is your data. And then you call through WhatsApp, you text through WhatsApp or other app that you use. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you don't need carrier to, to make calls or, or text anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of it, because uh, I work from home, a bulk of my calling happens from home on the Wi-Fi anyway. So it's mm -hmm. literally a, 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 like a, a thing that I just need to kind of stop. But they were quite mean to say, well, I must continue to my contract and stuff like that. So uh, which is, you know, I think telephone companies, phone companies are just notorious for terrible service so you know i have no no problems letting them go all right okay and you also mentioned that you're going to be getting rid of your iphone well you're going to be changing your your, your phone yeah my iphone's actually dying now um it's the camera moves and it, it's been through a bit of a rough time so um yeah, yeah i think uh, i have no major plans but i would say next year uh, early next year once once it bit settles down after this year's releases so yeah, let's see what, what this year Apple comes up with or, you know, Nexus phones. You never know. Uh, like I have an iPhone 6. I think we pretty much got our iPhones pretty much around the same time, even though completely unrelated. Uh, 
but uh, no, I'm still pretty happy with it. Like mine, mine is okay. Uh, uh, actually, if you're going to be getting it, get it in the UK because it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, I know now. Yeah, I was going to say, have you been following up with the Olympics? I I haven't been much to be honest. That's actually uh, one thing I wanted to also ask you. What I realized is if you don't have a cable or you don't have like a t- proper TV, it's very difficult to to get live streams anywhere. They don't tend to live stream it much. They say like there is a CNN app, but it doesn't work in Europe. And then they say, okay, in Europe it's BBC, and I went to BBC, and there is nothing that would suggest they live stream Olympics. So I don't know. So I've been. Uh, following it very slightly. I, I'm more interested in like watching a few sports myself. Like I do enjoy actually like watching swimming and uh, uh, what's the other one, uh, table tennis. But uh, yeah, I can't, I can't find any live streams. What about yourself? Ah, uh, no, don't care about it. I'm, I'm okay. too busy. I, I think, yeah, I think Olympics is just a advertising racket and like, What's happened also, I don't know if you've noticed, but all the, let's say, media here, um, mm-hmm. let's say European, American, mostly European, I don't really read American media, but certainly European, seems to be, um, certainly English media that I read, just very down on Brazil, like everything is terrible, everything is um, kind of not working and stuff like that. And then, then I wonder, like, I don't think we get the real picture here of actually what's going on. And so it's doubly so that I just don't watch anything, essentially. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the other thing they have to... Yeah, obviously. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is it's a third world country, so you can't really expect it to be... Why? Well, you don't know that. And secondly, my... my what do you mean my... you don't want... Like, it's third world country, isn't it, Brazil? Just like Russia or... Well, it's... See, again, like, what does it mean? Like... What does so you think that? Well, it means that you're not going to see as many McDonald's or boutique stores around. But they are there. That's the whole point, right? When you look at Olympics and all of that, it's it's essentially McDonald's and and Mastercard promoting their own crap. Like, and and you see that 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 is the issue. Like, you already have made up your mind that it's not going to be as great because it's allegedly third world, whatever that means. I mean, it's. It's, 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 yeah, it's not, it's not accurate at all. I mean, the people in Brazil have their issues just like people everywhere else. And just because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not in Europe, uh, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a way for the, the, let's say the mainstream media to diss on a country and, but they will never diss the Olympic organizing committee for selecting it. Right. I mean, they have no problems taking the money, uh, from from endorsements if a let's say a british or an european company makes money of endorsements that's okay but you know brazil is terrible like i think that this I but know. i think it's the same every all the time whenever there are olympic games they always complain about the country but at the end of the day you know if you enjoy the sports you just watch the sports and i think it's my boycott i think that <laughs> i think that we need a generation of people who boycott the olympics and then, then they will learn, like, just like, you know, with a lot of things in the world that are going on, like, people need to wake up to a new reality. These guys are, at like, they're just, I think they, they operate at a different level, you know. I mean, how can you say that, um, 
the companies who make money off the Olympics are okay, but Brazil is terrible. Like, do you, do you, like it's it's totally hypocritical, right? I mean, if it is so bad, then ban these companies from operating in Brazil. If you really care about the Olympics in that way, so I actually haven't, to be honest, followed any of those news. So I don't know what they. Well, you just look about. up. You yeah. just look up any news on Brazil. It's just rooms are unfinished. There is Zika. There is this. The Russians are banned. They're terrible. The, the only thing I've heard about is that Russian diplomat was was been magged. <laughs> yeah, but so then then don't send these people, right? If you really worry about this, stay home. Skip the Olympics. No, no, no. But the Russian diplomat like fought off the the guy who was trying to rob him. Yeah, well, that's living in a big. But city. they don't know whether it's true or not. They they say it's unconfirmed and everything. Well, so. exactly, and so that's my point. I think that. I think that I just stay away from it all. Like, you know, I think, I think that, yeah, it's just no point in, in, in the Olympics. I mean, if I was an athlete, I would probably skip it, but that's just me. Yeah. Onto, onto some of the interesting news as well. Uh, speaking of the Olympics, I believe the, the last Olympics were hosted in China, weren't they? Uh, Bird's Nest. No, London. Oh, oh, that's right. Sorry, London. Oh, China was then even before that. Correct. Okay. 2008, yes. Uh, so then it's it's not going to be as good of a transition as I was hoping it would be. But <laughs> uh, speaking of China, um, Bitcoin. Uh, so Bitcoin is, China is one of those few, relatively few countries where Bitcoin is completely banned, which is making this news even more interesting that one of the biggest Bitcoin exchanges in the world is actually in Hong Kong. But I, I guess Hong Kong kind of, it was always a bit of a separate thing. No, well, Hong Kong uh, is one country, China is one country, two systems. So Hong Kong and China are, Hong Kong, although is China, they have Hong Kong laws, uh, which are different from Chinese laws. Yeah. And I'm guessing one of those differences is that Bitcoin is not banned in, in Hong Kong. So uh, this uh, Bitcoin trader which i'll actually get the name for you it's bitfinex uh was hacked and uh 120,000 bitcoin was stolen from it which actually caused the the price of the bitcoin to plummet by 20 percent and it was huge scandal all over uh which you might be interested i know Richard was when i brought it to his attention of why the heck are we talking about bitcoin <laughs> Uh, the thing is that Bitcoin's been out of the news lately, and I think it actually did it some good because it's been uh, fairly stable in terms of the pricing, and I think people who were using it have been very happy using it uh, without much noise or media attention, which caused the price to you know go up and down like crazy. It was steady around six hundred and fifty dollars or so, and now it plummeted again. But I think it bounced back sort of. So yeah. So Rishi, I know, like, what's your take on it? Um, do you think that Bitcoin is essentially has become already this niche currency, which as we kind of had the season on it, we thought that it would be, and that's it, that's about as popular as it'll get? Or do you think that... Well, I mean, I, I think it's really great that Bitcoin is still around. So what that tells you is that the technology is maturing, that people, let's say, are getting used to uh, using Bitcoin or understanding Bitcoin and getting like, let's say, a mental model of it. So I think that's really great. 
Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. that over the past, let's say, couple of years, Bitcoin has, let's say, become mainstream in quotes. You know, I think, I think that it's there. It exists. It's really great. Now there is this hype around Ethereum and and like the alternate cryptocurrency, and that's also great. I think that Ethereum, Bitcoin, are just on an evolutionary path, and I really, really doubt, Sergey, that. Uh, Bitcoin will be the, let's say, the digital currency that you and I perhaps use. Uh, It's great for the people already in the ecosystem, but I think what they're doing really is building the knowledge base, building the learning curves for the one that actually um, gains mainstream attention. And and, and we've discussed this to, to, to death. Like The reason why people use Bitcoin is because there is a huge incentive for the people who started Bitcoin initially to keep on using it and mm-hmm. lower initiative incentive for people coming in later. So I wouldn't be surprised if the earlier people will continue using it more and more and more just because it's in their interest. So mm. I, that doesn't surprise me. I think what would, would be more interesting statistic is how many new people are, let's say, joining in the ecosystem um, with yeah. new goods and services. And of, of course, there's no... like let's say, concrete data on any of this? Well, you can, you can sort of... Uh, one metric you can use for that is absolutely how many uh, how many retailers are adopting Bitcoin as one of the payment methods. And uh, to be honest, I actually see quite a few pretty big retailers where you go to them and they say, we accept Bitcoin. So, you know, it's a... Like, the thing is, as we already discussed previously, you and I, we try to buy some Bitcoin and... <laughs> That's not an easy thing to do, as it turns out. It's it's actually very difficult to to buy Bitcoin unless you mine it yourself. But even mining it yourself isn't easy either. So, yeah, getting Bitcoin is a pain. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the Coinbase, which is let's say the goal of Coinbase was to make Bitcoin mainstream with easy user interfaces and things like that. And even they email saying they now support Ethereum. So I guess they're also realizing that. Um, diversifying away from Bitcoin is a good business strategy for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bitcoin continues and but remains this niche thing while people learn from that and invent new, um, let's say, coin technologies. Yeah. Uh, so the other piece of news, uh, again, guys, it's, it's another week of relatively slow news. Um, so I do have to mention Pokemon Go because it wouldn't be uh, a summer show without Pokemon Go news. Uh, it's been banned in one country. Uh, I, I think it was Iran, wasn't it? I actually don't have it off the top of my head. I think it was Iran. I'm not countries, sure. Yeah, yeah. Countries are starting to ban it, essentially. That's kind of the news. So that's starting to happen. Well, uh, I actually have an interesting uh, uh, kind of an anecdote slash um, just a thing that happened to me. I was mm-hmm. browsing the app store the other day just to kind of check out something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to the Pokemon Go app uh, mm-hmm. in the iOS app store. And in that, there are reviews. And yeah. uh, the if you go to the app store now and check out the reviews, it's most of them, let's say, are one-star reviews. And apparently, uh, they have done something with an update on the phone where uh-huh. the mechanics have changed and it ha- they have apparently, from that reviewer's comment, I guess, have uh-huh. made it harder uh, to, let's say, catch the, the creatures. And so okay. uh, you will, I was surprised to see tons of one-star reviews 
in the app store. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm just looking at it right now. It's, yes, there are more one-star reviews than five-star reviews at this point, and it's three stars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And so I was surprised by that. Uh, I still have no interest in installing it and using it and playing it. But Yeah. Interesting. Like, you know, we can say whatever we want about it, but at the end of the day, I do have to say it, it is definitely an interesting phenomenon that we've seen. Like, I, I haven't seen anything so widespread, I think, since since the iPhones, since the start of the iPhones. I don't yeah. think we had anything. But, you well, know... But that's Quick. the that's one of the criticisms of the phone where, you know, one, let's say, company hits it big and now you'll have 50,000 copycats trying to replicate it, trying to think that I am going to be the next Pokemon Go. And then mm-hmm. people get trapped in this cycle of, okay, location-based games is the thing and then now you'll see tons of games like that. I mean, that's what happened with yes. Zing- Zynga, that's what happened with Angry Birds and... So oh, I angry feel, birds. That's right. Sorry, that. that was um, yeah. And and I feel like that's the model for the iPhone. This is your, um, how do you say, music industry type model, which is you know one or two people who become superstars, and then the rest pretty much keep on trying and you know work as yeah. waiters and and keep on trying. So. Uh, but that's that's kind of tech tech industry of late, uh, especially if you talk about kind of startups. You know fairly low-tech startups. I mean, we're obviously not talking about computer science degrees, kind of, well, you know, not like PhD level sort of interesting stuff. Uh, so the other, uh, actually, since we're talking about the phones, and I think it completely flew out of my mind as I was talking about it. Um, yeah, sorry, I completely forgot what I would want to talk about. Anyways, uh, so then we'll proceed with the show unless I, I, I remember what I wanted to, to chat about. Uh, Firefox goes multi-threaded. Uh, in Firefox 48, uh, there. So, the interesting thing is, I think um, Chrome, which would be probably well the biggest browser at the moment, had multi-threaded for had had multi-threading for for a very long while now, hasn't it? From the beginning. Uh, from the very beginning, was it? Yeah. Okay. So, and what we mean by that is that the interface of the browser is one thread. And then each separate tab is actually a separate thread in your computer, which is great because if one of them crashes or hangs, it doesn't crash the whole browser. And the second thing is since your CPU is so, you know, like is very good at multi-threading nowadays, it's actually faster. Like there, are, there are performance benefits to it. Interestingly enough, Firefox has been single-threaded ever since up until now. And even today, they've only rolled it out to the 1% of the 50%. (laughs) So there are 50% of the user base who they deemed have us like good enough, you know, base hardware and have just the right add-ons installed which support multi-threading. So they are candidates for multi-threading being enabled. And then they decided that only 1%, they'll roll it out to only 1% of those 50% of people uh, just to make sure that it's all okay, just to make sure that it's good rollout. And then over the next few weeks, they'll roll it out to the rest of that 50% if everything goes well. And then with the release 49, they'll enable multi-threading for everybody. So that's going to be in a few months' time. Uh, but Firefox multi-threading at the moment is a bit more limited than Chrome in the sense that there is a separate thread for the GUI and there is a separate thread for the tabs. And that's it. So there isn't a separate thread for each tab. It's 
one thread that encapsulates all the web pages you have open. And add-ons are in the same uh, thread as I believe the GUI at the moment, or the same thread as the other. But down the line, they'll essentially multi-thread. They'll have a separate thread for the add-ons and they'll have a separate thread for each tab. So it is coming. Uh, they say it's gonna be, you know, gonna make it a lot more stable, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it very much. I've actually switched from Firefox back to Opera, uh, especially on my because of my Linux distro. Interesting enough, Firefox is a default web browser that comes with Ubuntu. But once I install all the add-ons that I need, which to be honest isn't that much, like maybe five, it becomes incredibly slow. Uh, Opera with the same five add-ons installed is just so much quicker. It's it's kind of crazy. So. Uh, but you know, if, if Firefox will become just as fast as Opera again, come back to it. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm a huge believer in the, in Firefox in general, but they have kind of unfortunately lost away and made some very dodgy decisions in the past. Like if you remember, they were, um, doing the selling the tiles for advertising, then they added the pocket integration, which is totally pointless and, and just mm -hmm. blatant. How do you say, um, preferential treatment for a company for money, which is not against, I mean, you can expect a private company to do it, but not a not-for-profit organization. Mm -hmm. um, so I think I, they are for-profit organization, aren't they? No, no, Mozilla Foundation is not for-profit. Okay, okay. Um, no, but the point being that I think that the world needs Firefox to innovate and exist and, and move on uh, mm -hmm. and kind of um, just keep on doing what they're doing. I mean, one thing that is even more technical that we haven't uh, really discussed is that um, now uh, with Servo, have you heard of Servo? Um, uh, no. Servo is a, uh, so Firefox's rendering engine is Gecko, uh, if you if you yes. remember. Um, now what they have done is that Gecko is super old. It's almost as old as Netscape Navigator, which is in the early 90s. Uh, mm -hmm. And I believe it was derived from that, but if not, it's from that time. But what they have done is with Rust essentially created a new um, rendering engine called Servo. And uh, you can just look up Servo latest builds and they have nightly builds and stuff like that. So Servo okay. is very far away from ever being in Firefox. But essentially what could happen in the next, I would imagine, two years is mm -hmm. you would have a fork or some kind of a build of Firefox uh, with uh, the Servo rendering engine and a lot of Rust in it. So uh, mm -hmm. it's very, very important that they keep on innovating and pushing the web forward uh, in the way which they're doing. Uh, I, I get very disappointed when they just lose focus of that and just do this side stuff, which is just unnecessary, you know, like the advertising deals, the integrations with the pocket and, and stuff like that. I mean, it's... it's well, uh, the one thing, so, you know, if you're wondering how do browsers make money, the only way browsers make money at the moment is from browser from the search engines in a sense if your default search engine on in firefox is google uh and you type in into your you know search line puppies i don't know gifs or whatever uh it will redirect you to google obviously but google will know that it was firefox who redirected you there and they will actually pay firefox a certain like very tiny amount of money for it and then there are deals like if um, Bing, I believe, is the default search browser in Firefox now, 
I believe Microsoft actually has a deal with Firefox where they pay them some amount of money for Firefox to make Bing a default. Web yeah, but website. what you are saying is true for a for-profit company. I'm at Mozilla's manifesto, and, and if you look at mozilla.org about us, basically they are a non-profit which, which is committed to keeping internet open. Pocket's mm -hmm. not open. Pockets or Bing isn't open. Like, sure. Why? But, like, you know, I was... Um... Like the thing is for with the web tiles that were ads, they actually rolled back on that idea. Like people didn't like it, so they removed it. So I think it's okay for them to experiment. And you know, if it doesn't work, remove it. I believe Pocket's been removed now. Oh no, no, sorry, Pocket is still is still there. Yeah, but uh, I don't I don't mind that. But the point is that the fact that they even think about this is very scary. I mean, why is it a thing? Um, uh, and and why is it on Mozilla? Why, as in the default distribution used by millions and millions of people? Like you could do experiments on, let's say, your version of it. It's all open source after all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you can fork it and, and build a pocket integrated Mozilla browser. Um, it, it, it's it's perfectly doable. But the fact that they do it on the main thread, on the main build system, is what what is most worrying. I mean, Mozilla does a ton of good stuff. Like support open source projects they just gave a bunch of money to about half a million dollars to a few open source projects and that's mm -hmm. really important and the the invention of rust and and firefox kind of just the brand it's it's very very important but then they do these funny things which i really uh, is very surprising for me uh, but i i actually to be honest didn't know about the servo uh engine web engine and um, rendering engine and I'm actually fairly very excited about it because I do feel like gecko is is getting outdated you could see that the webkit is just so much quicker at rendering well no but now if you look at servo's initial results it's actually faster than and much faster and it's written in rust so all the memory issues and all of that technically uh, would be kind of let's say solved essentially yeah. the memory and rust routine. is essentially like very low level language like c would be yeah so they're trying exactly. to kind of combine c and python uh, in yeah. rust which is a very interesting kind of a take and very mozilla like and i'm actually excited about rust far more than let's say swift or any of these other languages mm. that's cool that's cool um so yeah so that's that's happening um then speaking of browsers, uh, another big browser update, uh, which which happened recently, which was part of a bin, another big upgrade update, which was anniversary update for Windows 10. So that got rolled out, I believe, on Tuesday or maybe even Monday evening. Uh, not without its issues. But how do you tell uh, if you have an anniversary upgrade? That's a very good question. Um, so you could see from your GUI, right? So I installed it. I obviously went to my Windows update and I went to search for update and it found an anniversary update and then I clicked install. So I kind of know that it's installed. How can you see it? Uh, to be honest, you can see it the, the moment you click on your start button. Uh, it looks different. It looks a, a bit different. Like uh, the turn off the power button and your user interface is like a separate column now where it all used to be at the bottom. And the interface looks it like it's a tiny difference, to be honest. It's not like very different, but the moment you open it, you're like, okay, that looks different. Um, so people are reporting quite a lot of issues with it, which I found somewhat interesting. 
Uh, I myself have an issue with it. Uh, I know Rishi at the moment is talking to a blank screen, unfortunately, because uh, my camera just keeps freezing up on Skype now. Like, uh, it's on for about two minutes and then it just freezes. Uh, it actually works fine on Viber, but for some reason after anniversary upgrade and Skype update, yeah, it keeps freezing on Skype. So something's up there, uh, which actually makes me think we should have just used Viber for this recording, but yeah. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that happened. Uh, another thing, big part of Windows anniversary upgrade, at least for us, is that Bash is now on Windows. But interestingly enough, it's not actually in anniversary upgrade. You actually have to enable it. It's just still a beta feature, and then you need to download the bits, which takes like 20, 30 minutes. And uh, it's interesting. It's, it's literally like running Linux within Windows uh, because like, honest to God, except for they mount it a bit weirdly, uh, you usually, like, if you're using Linux, you usually mount your uh, external drives to media slash, slash media slash. Uh, all the drives in Windows are mounted in MNT slash MNT slash, uh, which is fair. Like, I mean, that's fine. Uh, maybe there is, there is a reason for that. Uh, so that was just one thing that threw me off a little bit. But otherwise, it's a proper bash. Uh, you could, like, I, I did apt-get. I installed some bits, even though I do have to say that apt update when you update all your repositories actually took a very, very long time to do, which was a bit strange. But after that, yeah, I installed the NCFS, uh, it actually worked. So, but the interesting thing is again, NCFS. So if you remember, I told you that I'm using this new encryption uh, file system uh, in Dropbox and uh, the latest version is like 0 0.0, 0.8, 0 0.8 uh, something. And that's like the one where they fixed a lot of vulnerabilities. But the version they ported on Windows is still 0 0.7. And the interesting thing is the only version I could get through the bash was 0 0.7 as well. Uh, maybe it's because it's using older version of Linux. It's using, it's running on Linux 14.04, which is like LTS, but it kept, it's, it's two year old OS. Well, the latest one is 16.04, so like maybe. Uh, I don't know, but still, it's it's great to see that. Um, I hope they fixed my camera issue soon. I know a lot of people are uh, talking about data being corrupt on their drives, uh, computer keeps raising. Is it faster though? Does it feel faster? No, but to be honest, Windows 10 is fast as it is, like it was fast, so. No, I wouldn't say it's faster at all. I don't know if it's supposed to be faster even. Uh, it's just a bunch of new features introduced, uh, which didn't make it any slower. I can tell you that much, <laughs> so that's what's as good. Uh, but yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, you're, you're no longer like, you don't have Windows anywhere in your primary systems anymore, right? So you no, I mean, I, I'm looking to, to get back to it, but yeah, not at the moment. Uh, mm. I do, I haven't seen it. I did upgrade my laptop, my old laptop, but I haven't seen it yet. And I'm looking forward to it too. Actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's like, uh, it's like a new Windows, but you get it for free and it's relatively simple to do, to upgrade. Like I know some people are saying that they do actually have issue upgrading to it. But for me, it was smooth. It took a while, but it was smooth. So yeah, um, a lot of people at the moment recommend to kind of stay away from it for a couple of weeks until Microsoft fixes all the kinks. You know, considering my camera issue, 
which is like a tiny issue which is affecting me in a very slight way but it is a pain still right and you're kind of thinking ah oh. so oh, it disrupts your regular workflow so yeah i mean i don't know there is a theory i guess that says you should always be one update behind i'm mm. i don't know if that's an option anymore but certainly uh, there is some merit in it isn't it there is absolutely and I'm pretty sure if you don't force Windows to check for updates, it probably won't up update you for a couple of weeks, for like a week or so, to anniversary update anyway. I was just impatient. Um, so, okay, we do have maybe time for like one small piece of news, and that's up your tree, reach 100%. Uh, China launches a bus, but it's not... A prop, it's it's not the the usual bus you're thinking about. Rishi, tell tell us all about it. Like, <laughs> well, it's called the futuristic straddling bus, and essentially what it is is if you can think of a bridge on top of um, a highway that moves, uh, and then it's got tracks, um, and so it's like a inverted U shape. Uh, I wouldn't call it a bus, but anyways, <laughs> they call it a bus. Uh, yeah, it looks, it's, it's more like a train, isn't it? Because you do have your rail tracks. Yeah, it's like a moving bridge to me. I mean, yeah. bridges, bridge on, let's say, tracks. If you put a overhead bridge on tracks, essentially that's what they have. Yeah. Um, it's um, an interesting idea. It's so basic, but the second I've seen it, I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> wow. No, I mean, the, the thing is that what they're trying to do is to reduce uh, the number of cars on the road. And, and apparently they have tried out a bunch of things, which is uh, plate, re plate restrictions, which is like, you know, um, even number plates on some day and odd number plates. So they have all of that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, but that doesn't seem to help. And um, what, they, what this does is this bridge, I would call it a bridge, this kind of straddling bus, straddling bridge, yeah. Uh, goes at around 40 miles an hour. So that's about, I think, 60, 60. Yeah, 60 kilometers an hour, which is quite fast. And mm -hmm. uh, it can carry up to 1400 people in it uh, while oh, wow. while moving. Um, and uh, there is about seven feet uh, of, uh, let's say, it's seven feet high from the ground, essentially. Uh, so cars and other, in this video, they had two lanes cars. Uh, mm -hmm. cars can kind of overtake and do what they're doing underneath it um i think it's an worthy experiment uh, i'm not sure how um like if it can be put in every let's say road obviously not but i'm sure mm -hmm. there are certain corridors where something like this would be very very useful uh and to get cars off the streets um uh i think it what i'm more interested in is how do you identify those roads because it's not just a matter of the number of people using it. It's also to do with the terrain, the slope of the road, the kind of the, how do you say, the turns or something like that. And, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very exciting. What was fascinating to me, if you look at the video uh, that they kind of, it's on YouTube, it's a simulation video, is the way it turned. And it kind of just turns along as, as if the highway turns. And mm -hmm. so I thought that was quite quite amazing, actually. So um, I guess it's good that they're trying something out um, to kind of something, let's say, truly new or novel, mm -hmm. at least. Uh, it's very ambitious. Um, I, I think China is one of the only places where it's one of those things where the Communist Party decrees that this needs to happen and it happens, you know. And so 
I think it's really, really, um, really interesting. I mean, this is for me kind of as close to science fiction as you can get. I mean, um, no, well, to be fair, it does need to be floating. It does need to be floating. If it's yeah, floating. but it's the next one, no? I mean, yeah. but the thing is, I think that from from the looks wise and the visual aesthetically, it looks like science fiction um, with these things zipping yeah. around and and cars going underneath them and and. Yeah, I mean, hats off to them. I, I must say, like, I mean, we are we can be quite cynical. At least I can be quite cynical about these things. But I think that there is certain um, um, how do you say learning to be had by just trying these things out. And it may not work, and it may work only on one, let's say, road. But man, like, they will learn and hopefully create a better one. You know. So I think I think kudos to them. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it definitely like. No, it's just awesome. I do have to say. Well, the one thing is they you do have to put infrastructure for it. Unfortunately, you do have to lay tracks, so it's not it's not that easy to put it into exploitation. But yeah, I mean, it fights everything. First of all, this thing doesn't have to stand in traffic. Amazing, unless obviously they put you know like trucks, truck huge trucks on the roads where these drives where they can't fit underneath it. Then you have an issue. But I'm sure they'll have laws where those trucks cannot be on the same road as this thing. Uh, but then it doesn't strain the traffic. The traffic doesn't affect it. So it's like, it's a win-win. Like you obviously need to have the right place for it, but otherwise it's... Oh, it's for sure. I mean, you're moving 1,400 overground in in one, one go, 1,400 people. I think it's a huge achievement. I mean, imagine the number of buses that will be required to move that kind of people. And I think, yeah. I think that there is something, how, how do we say, it? something so basic and simple about it that is so appealing to me. Yes. Uh, it's it's like so simple that it's almost like, well, why didn't we think of it kind of thing? Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, or it's so obvious that it's like, and it may not work, and there will be very good reasons why it may not work, but you would have thought that this should have been tried before or something. Yeah. Like, do you have an example of why it couldn't, why it, could not be working? Uh, just because uh, I, I feel like uh, from the little that I have read is essentially to do with firstly the terrain, secondly to do with, um, you know, the way, one of the good things about roads or the way they have been set up at the moment is essentially they're relatively easy to change and turn and destroy and, and kind of create detours and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. with this, you are kind of creating a, let's say, semi-permanent infrastructure for that. So, for example, um, you create something that says you can um, come from, uh, let's say, Wicklow into Dublin, right, into Dublin city centre. What that means is that uh, you are prioritising development in the Dublin city centre by making it easy to get there. But what it also means is that you may not be able to develop other cores that you want to develop, you know. So mm -hmm. it's kind of geared towards existing uh, usage patterns uh, and easing them rather than, let's say, developing uh, new uh, patterns for the city. So, I mean, there are many ways, uh, many reasons why it may not work. Uh, it could be also, um, once you have this in place, you may not be able to build or construct around it or, or something like that, you know, uh, other yeah. highways, other infrastructure. Um, so it's, as with any kind of project, I'm sure there is huge kind of decisions that need to be made. But like it's like we said, it's kudos for trying. It's really awesome. Like. Absolutely. All right, cool. Um, 
so guys at this point we do have to wrap up we're coming up to actually 40 minutes almost of the show I'm sure it will be even a bit longer after the post-production um so if you enjoyed the show uh please subscribe to us on itunes or any other podcast of your choice uh we're also on twitter if you want to get in touch with us or give us your feedback at techcraft nation or individually at uh, rishi Bilal for rishi and at sergi slash for me and we will see you next week with another awesome episode see you guys bye Bye.